0: 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks in New York City, Washington, D.C., and in the air over Pennsylvania. By their very nature, catastrophes are usually sudden with, with little or no warning, little or no preparation. The terrorist attacks of four years ago are a prime example of that. We can also think in some of your lifetimes of Pearl Harbor, the suddenness of that. How unexpected it was. The tsunami disaster last December that took hundreds of thousands of lives uh, immediately and likely tens of thousands in the aftermath. Even on our own community in 1957, I was two months old and a tornado ripped through here. Leveled Ruskin High School took between one and two hundred lives from those in Hickman Mills. And even In the last two or three weeks with the Hurricane Katrina, even though there was a warning system, it still struck with so much force that lives were suddenly taken or injured, ruined and forever changed. I'm amazed in the midst of that at the indifference of the average citizen to impending doom. It's almost as if folks will try to cushion themselves, and maybe this is what it is, they're just cushioning themselves by thinking, well, it won't happen to me. It's too bad that um, New Orleans is no longer a city. It's too bad that Biloxi or Mobile or places like that uh, are uh, pretty much ruined, but it won't happen to me. I feel bad about that, but I'm not expecting a similar circumstance in my own life since 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, when my own dad, brother, and sister were killed at the hands of a drunk driver, I have little difficulty with the reality of sudden and unexpected tragedy. But what about those who are ignorant to that or they're indifferent to that? Maybe they've not experienced it or maybe they just want to dismiss the idea of impending danger. Is there any hope For those who just walk around and say, in essence, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to worry about that. Almost like a Scarlett O'Hara type of uh, 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 disposition. Oh, fiddly-dee, I'll worry about, I'll think of that tomorrow, Pam, is that his? I'll I'll think of that tomorrow um, from Gone with the Wind. What about those who don't sense danger? Is there hope for someone like that? Is there a early warning system that can help That person escape. I'm convinced from the word of God that what is needed is a watchman on the wall, a watchman on the wall. We live in a dangerous world and a current phrase in um, modern day American colloquial language is someone who is offering protection will say, hey, I've got your back. I've got your back. Meaning I'm watching out for you. I'm aware of your life and I care about you and I'm going to watch out for you. We need a watchman to help protect us. Spiritually speaking, the world needs a host of watchmen warning them of impending judgment. And so this morning and this evening, and I exhort you um, in just in the strongest way, as best as you can, be back this evening for the second part of this two-part message Um, in the skies over the Caribbean. I went back and woke up Steve Nienheiser. I think I woke him up. Maybe he was already awake, having a glory fit. uh, And we sat and chatted about uh, Ezekiel three for some time and just the whole book of Ezekiel and the glory of God that's in there and how I don't know that I've ever preached from Ezekiel. I know I've never preached this message, but a two-part message um, on this subject a watchman on the Wall. We're going to use this as a springboard, our verse by verse study through Acts. So if you'd make your way to Acts chapter 20, and then we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 3, the first 15 verses this morning, and then this evening, the next few verses in Ezekiel chapter 3. But first, Acts chapter 20. We've been studying verse by verse through the book of Acts, and we're up to chapter 20 verses 25 through 27, just to get an idea of this idea of watching out for others. And in fact, it's the very next text we come to in Acts from where we left off last. Acts 20, verses 25 through 27. And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Paul was addressing what group of believers right here in Acts chapter 20? Who was it? The Ephesian elders, the leaders from the church at Ephesus, who had migrated to where he was in the seaport uh, as he was heading back to uh, Palestine and he was addressing them. And then in verse 26, and I believe Paul got this uh, concept, the Spirit of God laid it on his heart from what he had read in Ezekiel. Wherefore, I testify unto you this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. That's a key phrase. I am pure from the blood of all men. In other words, I've had your back. I've been your watchman. You can't point to me and say, I didn't uh, try to watch out for you or to the people uh, to whom I ministered. For I have not shunned. To declare unto you all the counsel of God, to putting it in the positive uh, vernacular, I have been faithful to in fact, share with you the things of God. So the idea of a watchman on the wall from our text, Paul said, He is pure from the blood of all men. With that backdrop, look at Ezekiel, if you would, chapter three, and we 're in Ezekiel chapter three for the remainder of this morning and this evening. A watchman on the wall this morning. A watchman has a mission. And then this evening, a watchman has a message. First this morning, the mission of the watchman. Ezekiel chapter three, verses one through 15. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, Eat what thou findest. Eat this scroll and go speak into the house of Israel. For, so I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said unto me, Son of man, eat and fill thy stomach with this scroll and, uh, that I give thee. Then did I eat it and it was in my mouth like honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee into the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange language and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. That is, they are uh, they're 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 stiff-necked, they're stupid, they're, they're they're rebellious. It's that kind of an idea. Behold, I make I have made thy face strong against their faces. And thy forehead strong against their foreheads, like an adamant, that is like a hard stone, harder than flint, have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart, and hear with thine ears. And go, get thee to them of the captivity, unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing saying, blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another and the noise of the wheels and that's alluding to chapters one and two uh, beside them and a noise of a great rushing. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to them of the captivity of Tel-Abib, that is in uh, the Iraq area, the Persian Gulf area, and dwelt by the river of Kabar. And I sat where they sat and remained there overwhelmed among them seven days. And then it goes on to talk about in verse 17 that God had made Ezekiel a watchman unto the house of Israel and to hear the word and give them warning. And we'll pick that up more this evening. A couple of main points with some sub points this morning. The first thing I want us to consider is you are a watchman with a mission. That and uh, Because you have received, and I'm going to list a number of things that you've received. But the, the idea is you need to accept, first and foremost, if you're a follower of Christ, if you are a child of God, that makes you, by definition, a watchman. That's what the Apostle Paul, he was alluding to that when he says, I'm pure from the blood of all men. I've been a watchman. I have faithfully fulfilled my responsibility. And child of God, you are also a watchman with a mission. Now, Ezekiel was a believer on a lifelong mission for God. And it's interesting, he's a bit unusual in that he was first a temple priest. You'll see in chapter one and verse three of the book of Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came expressly or specifically or definitively unto Ezekiel, the priest. And so Ezekiel, his lifelong occupation was one as a temple priest. But God was now calling him to be a prophet. So he was unusual in that he was both a priest and a prophet. He was both one who represented the people to God as a priest, as well as now representing God to the people as a prophet. Somewhat unusual. Of course, we know uh, that the Lord Jesus, he is the, um, he's the prince of prophets. He's the great high priest. And you add one more to him. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. And so, uh, of course, we see Christ as the consummate man. But Ezekiel, uh, pretty far down the road in in his own right, because he was both a priest and a prophet having that dual role. Now, Ezekiel was writing to the people of Judah who had been taken into captivity. Well, you remember with Nebuchadnezzar, the book of Daniel, uh, just a few years earlier, he was writing 595 to 570 or so B.C., and he was writing about the majestic splendor of God. If you were to read and study through it, I don't want you to do it now, but uh, I, I challenge you to study through chapters one and two of Ezekiel. I'm telling you, um, we were um, 15,000, 20,000 feet or so uh, above the Caribbean, uh, and I'm studying this uh, for uh, an hour or two at a time, going down there and then coming back, and I was higher than the plane was. <laughs> I mean, it was a glorious time in chapters one and two. I don't know why it'd take me so long to really uh, study the minutia of that, uh, but uh, I I wholeheartedly uh, recommend that to you. Ezekiel was writing um, to those in captivity, telling them that uh, God is is majestic and that he brings judgment upon sin, but yet he has a merciful heart toward those who humbly repent. And folks, he, God hasn't changed. He is still utterly holy. He is still one who will, uh, he's not to be monkeyed with. He is going to bring judgment upon arrogant unbelief, but he's ever merciful toward those who will humbly uh, yield to him. And so you are his people if you're a child of God and you are on a mission because you have received three things from the text. First of all, you've been converted. You've been changed. You've been saved. Verse one of chapter three, it says, moreover, he said to me, son of man, there's a, um, there's a, a, a Hebraism, if you will, a, a term in that time, uh, which um, has to do with relationship. In other words, he's speaking to him as a, one of his children, one of his own. Uh, Ezekiel's life was changed. Ezekiel was a committed follower of the Lord God almighty. And uh, those of us who are, we are watchmen. We are those who know him and because of that we have a job to do. We can use an illustration of a modern day watchman on the wall in our society. A watchman on the wall in our society are those weathermen who uh, have been able to and the scientists who have been able to develop the, uh, the technology called Doppler, radi- uh, uh, Doppler radar. Can you imagine the devastation that Katrina would have had? The, the uh, untold devastation Had we not had Doppler radar, can you imagine that hurricane swamping over, um, um, uh, New Orleans had no one evacuated, had the entire city been filled with people and uh, they knew that there was a storm going on out at sea. But just like it had gone on uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of times over hundreds of years, if they had not had that watchman on the wall that they said this is a, a category five or whatever level it was and it is going to do serious damage, get out of town. And in fact, most of the city Did evacuate. That is a modern day watchman on the wall. Well, God has raised up believers. We've been called to be watchmen on the wall. And, child of God, the issue isn't whether you will be a watchman. You say, well, I don't really want to be a watchman. That's not really what I'm all about. I'm not particularly inclined to want to do that. The issue is not whether or not you are a watchman. The issue is whether or not you will be a faithful or an unfaithful watchman. The issue is am I asleep at my post or am I walking my post with vigilance and with diligence, recognizing that I am a watchman who has been converted? I was an enemy, I was a thief, I was a terrorist for the kingdom of God. And I but I've been converted. I've been changed. I've been rescued, taken out of that camp and placed in this camp and I have am one who is now declared to be a watchman on the wall for the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Are you a watchman? Do you recognize yourself to be a watchman? And if so, by virtue of being saved, are you being a faithful watchman? You're a watchman with a mission because you've been converted. Secondly, you're a watchman with a mission. Because you've received a communication from the Word of God. Verse 1, the end of verse 1 through verse 3. It says... Uh, Ezekiel, I want you to receive the scroll. I want you to take in my word. I want you to fill yourself up with my word. And that's what verse three says. It was sweet like honey um, to my mouth. Uh, this prophecy begins with Ezekiel receiving the word of God. In chapter one and verse three, it says the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel. And we see that Ezekiel is given God's word um, so that he would receive it into his own life and then proclaim it to others week in and week out and and day in and day out in your own study you are receiving you're taking in the word of God God is communicating with you through his word and folks he doesn't expect or uh, want or allow us to be a stagnant pond we're not just to take in and take in and take in and hear the word preached and uh, and you to be uh, instructed in the things of God and reminded and told that you're a watchman and then just to simply say oh yeah that's right oh well I can't do that. I'll try to get away with it in the weakness of my flesh, in my own laziness or in my own fear or whatever it might be. I'll try to do that. But God doesn't allow me to get away with it. He gives me a reminder. Sometimes it's a strong reminder. Sometimes it's just an open door that all of a sudden spirit of God will uh, uh, arrest my attention and I'll, I'll come to myself and say, oh, There's an open door. There's an opportunity. God is presenting this. He set before me an open door, which no man can open and no man can shut. The book of Revelation tells us you're a watchman. You have received the word of God and he expects you to communicate that to others. But before Ezekiel could be a watchman to warn the people, he had to assimilate the truths of Scripture into his own heart. Look at chapter two, verses eight through 10. Look at chapter two, just a few verses up. Verses eight through 10. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house that is Israel. Open thy mouth. Eat what I give thee. And when I look, behold, a hand was sent unto me. And lo, a scroll was in it. And he spread it before me. And it was written within and without. And there was written in it lamentations and mournings and woe. In other words, judgment is coming. Take the word of God. uh, Consume it. Receive it. Put it into your life because you're a watchman. And you need to know what to communicate. Ezekiel needed that in his own life. And he, in fact, did that. Child of God, you're going to be effective only to the degree that the instruction from God's word is a part of your life. Let me say that in another way. He assimilated, Ezekiel assimilated these truths into his own life because he recognized he could not export what he didn't possess. He couldn't export what wasn't his. And so he took it into us. God commanded him to and he commands us to so that we'll be a ready, willing and able watchman on the wall. Is your primary resource for faith and function in life the word of God or are you feeling your way through life? Are you on a scripture light Type of a diet or you on are you on a scripture heavy type of a diet so that you are able to sound the warning, so that you see the judgment the impending danger and you're able to broadcast the truth that there is safety you can go into the ark the floods are coming but there is an ark of safety for you if you'll but enter in. Do you have that as part of your life that you're ready to share if you're converted you're a watchman. If you're a watchman, you've received the word from the Lord. And then thirdly, you're a watchman with a mission because you've been given a commission to the work of God, to the work of God. The will of God saved you. The word of God is equipping you. And the work of God is that to which you are sent. It's very clear in verse four of our text. He says, he said unto me, send a man, Go. Kit thee unto the house of Israel and then speak. In other words, I want you to get after it. I want you to do something, not just to sit back and rest on your blessed assurance, but actually be involved in pouring your life into ministry, in pouring yourself out, in opening up your pocketbook and giving and going and praying and encouraging and witnessing and disseminating the truth. You're a watchman. There's danger out there. There's judgment coming. Who's going to tell them if you're not going to tell them? And if I'm not going to, we have a commission to the work of God. We've been given a clear commission. We've been issued an order, teenagers, an order from the highest court in heaven to follow a course of action. Now, accept your commission. And go out and warn the world that judgment is coming. And judgment is coming soon. Judgment is coming soon. Don't presume as Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. Don't presume that they can just be at ease in Zion. What does the word of God say to those who presume that they can be at ease in Zion? What? Whoa. And woe is a heavy word in Scripture. It means watch out. Don't be haughty. Don't be so presumptuous. It's coming. Judgment is coming. Because one day, young people, you're going to close your eyes in death and you might not be ready to stand before the Lord. You just might not be. You might be here all the time, but you know in your heart you're just going through the motions. It's all pretend. Judgment is coming. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And we've been commissioned to go and sound that out. Red Bridger, do you have the fortitude, the, the guts to sound the alarm to those within your sphere of influence? Do you have the, uh, the wherewithal uh, in, your, in your soul, the courage to say what Psalm 7 and verse 11 says? That God is angry with the wicked every day. Do you believe the Hebrews 10:31 that says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God? Do you agree with the words of the Lord Jesus when he said in John 3:18 that he that believeth not is condemned already? You have a commission. Judgment's coming. There is a doomsday approaching very soon, very quickly, maybe even this week, this day. And if not, if it's not for 100 years, how can you presume you're going to be given another opportunity? To live for him. To share of him. Do you have the guts to share? The guts. The intestinal fortitude. That that part of you that says, I may be ridiculed. I may be hated. I may be persecuted. I may lose out on something else. But by his grace and for his glory, I'm a watchman on the wall. And I've been given a commission. And so I'm going to fulfill that calling that he has brought to me. I'm a watchman. On the wall, not just anybody can be a watchman, not just anyone can say, oh, I can be a watchman. I know you have to know the mind of God, the will of God, the word of God and accept and receive his commission to go and share wherever you're a watchman. It might be in Haiti. It might be down Grandview Road, but you're a watchman and the world needs a watchman. Secondly, second major point. What hinders a watchman from fulfilling his or her mission? What hinders a watchman? Since all believers are watchmen. And the issue isn't whether or not you are a watchman. The issue is whether or not you'll fulfill your God ordained responsibilities in sounding a warning. Let me let you in on an inside secret. Seminary did not make me a bold witness. Uh, being in the ministry did not all of a sudden cause me to have a bold witness. I am just as skittish as you are from time to time. I'm just as indifferent and lazy as you might be tempted to be. The issue, folks, in soul winning is not ability. It's not knowledge. It's not education. It's not really even experience. The issue is discipline. It's self-discipline. It is saying it's being spirit controlled. It is saying, God, I've surrendered. I'm your watchman. So here I go. What hinders you? Let me offer four possibilities. My guess is you, you might be able to identify with one, two of these. My guess is one of the first thing that hinders people is fear. Just fear. Verses six through nine. I'm sorry. Verses six and nine. God told Ezekiel, I've not sent you to estrange strange people. And of a hard language, surely if I'd sent thee, they would have hearkened unto thee. And then in verse nine, like a a, a hard rock, harder than flint, I've made thy forehead. Fear them not. Don't be dismayed. My guess is this might be the number one hindrance to believers in being faithful watchmen. Don't despair. Everyone is tempted to be fearful. Folks, I am tempted to be fearful. My guess is, if we could get him to admit it. Macy O'Gray may have had a moment of fear somewhere along the line in sharing the gospel. I don't know. I've not read his mail. But maybe there has been, and I don't say that in a sarcastic way. I say literally, as bold a witness, my guess is he's tempted to be fearful. I'm tempted. The sin is not in the temptation. The sin is in the surrender to the temptation. The sin is saying, God, that person is bigger than me. Um, uh, smarter than me, wiser than me, uh, more articulate, more experienced. I can't possibly share. Therefore, I'm not going to because he's bigger than you, God. He's smarter than you, God. He's been more places, Lord, than you have been. You just don't understand, God, what you're putting me in, in being a watchman in this situation. Send someone else. Uh, Someone else can do it. Yet that person is around your wall in your castle. And you're on the wall and you're the watchman. yet the temptation to fear grips you, grips me. And we don't follow him. You say, that's a sin. Well, you interpret 2 Timothy 1.7. Is it right or isn't it? When it says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. If God didn't give us the spirit of fear... And we yield to the temptation of fear. Who gave us that? The flesh, the world, and the devil. It's sin. It is at least, at at the minimum, a sin of omission. By caving in to that temptation. Fear is primarily what caused Jonah to rebel against the will of God. And we know that was sin in his life. When God wanted him to be a watchman on the wall in Nineveh. I ask you. Ladies, median adult ladies who have a lot to lose. Husband, children, grandchildren maybe coming up, a future, a home, security. What's the worst thing that can happen to a watchman? What's the worst thing that can happen to a faithful watchman? Well, he might get killed in the light of duty. Well, that's not the worst thing. That's a noble mission. Remember four years ago when the airplane was over Pennsylvania and some of the passengers got on the cell phone or received cell phone calls from loved ones saying there are planes flying into buildings all over the country. They're grounding all the planes. And it looks like your plane is part of that as well. And how that man Todd Beamer and a group of others uh, stormed the terrorists and uh, and. Uh, somehow overthrew them or something happened so that that plane did not reach its intended destination. Only heaven will reveal the details. We don't know the specifics to any great degree. But what was it that caused them To be able to, how did they muster up such courage to storm those terrorists? They were able to, folks, because they correctly assessed the situation. They understood, and they were convinced that the cost didn't matter. It didn't matter if if this is where this is intended. If judgment is right at our doorstep, if impending danger is right here, right now, that I'm not going to let fear overcome. I'm not going to say yes to that. I'm not going to surrender to that. I'm going to fulfill my. Roll as a watchman. Fear is a hindrance to that. We are watchmen. Let's roll. Secondly, a hindrance is being war weary. It's being war weary. Maybe you've been at the post, you've been faithful at the post. And you've, you've you're pulling back to back 16 hour shifts, as it were, at that military post. And you're hindered from sounding the trumpet any longer. You're no longer abounding in the work of the Lord, as First Corinthians 15, 58 says. You're just kind of bouncing around, flopping around in the work of the Lord. You're tempted to run. You're tempted to go a A-Wall. But then you recognize instead of battling the enemy, you'll just be running from God. Look at verse 12. Then the spirit lifted me up. And verse 14, it says, so the spirit lifted me up. What you need is refreshment. And it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31, He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I like in the passive shall have their strength renewed. They shall man up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Child of God, are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Amen. Tell it to him. He's the one who's who's converted you. He's the one who's communicated you. He's the one who's commissioned you. He cares about you and he is there for you. If you're doing his bidding, if you're f- following his will, he's going to be there to sustain you every step of the way. Are you war Are you just tired of the battle of the Christian life. Welcome to the crowd. All believers are. Elijah said, kill me. I'm the only one, God, who is serving you. <laughs> he said in a moment of of weakness, not really of, of fear, but of weakness. Just I'm 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 worn out from this. God said, said, no, you're not the only one. Fear hinders you. Being war weary hinders you. Maybe it's unbelief. It might be that you wonder if the mission is really reasonable. Or even important, what difference can we make? Why are we going to Haiti? That country has been uh, steeped in witchcraft and voodoo for 200 years. Their government leaders uh, ascribe to it. They embrace it. And it's just a drop of, of, of water in the ocean. What in the world good can we possibly do? Yet we saw that God set before us this open door and we recognized that we're a watchman on the wall. And he obviously blew this door open. He wanted us to enter in, not knowing what was going to happen. And Paul said, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what's going to befall me, but I am going to be pure from the blood of all men because I'm a watchman. And here I go. And so is it unbelief? Have you fallen victim to the pragmatism that says, what I do really doesn't matter. God's going to do what he wants to do anyway. So what I do doesn't matter. Or someone else can give to missions or go to Haiti or or share the gospel in our community. Now, let me share with you. In my Calvinism, I recognize and embrace God is going to accomplish his will. But will you be involved in the blessing? Will you be a part of that operation that he has called you to be? Folks, faithfulness is everything. And 1 John 5, 4 says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith allows me to be the watchman on the wall as part of the mission that he is, to which he has called me. Fear is a hindrance. Being weary in the work of God is a hindrance. Unbelief, just rank unbelief, certainly a hindrance. And then also, let me suggest, is there a hint of I don't care? I really don't feel comfortable with the people who have tattoos all over their bodies and have piercings in every available spot or whose language is vile or who smell funny. And by the way, Haiti has its own scent. And you who have been there, I tried to describe it to some folks this week. It's a combination of profound body odor mixed, mingled with every kind of animal dung ground into the dirt. uh, Along with decaying carcasses. You put that concoction together, stir it up for a couple of hundred years and you'll smell Haiti. Actually, you get kind of used to it. I kind of miss it, frankly. I miss Haiti. I don't know that I really miss all of the odors, but um, it has a strange attraction that God is up to something. Is there indifference? Is there prejudice? Look at the end of verse 15. And I sat where they sat. And remained there overwhelmed among them seven days. He was burdened. He didn't care who it was. Paul didn't care who it was. Do you care who it is? When we have a community party here two weeks from tomorrow night, and we open up the grounds, the pavilion, and we say to the community, just come and have some fun with us. We want to meet you. No hidden agenda. Um, do you find it to be uncomfortable, awkward to engage a person in the world? If so, what is wrong with your watch? If you're a watchman and you're broadcasting a warning, it follows that those who need the warning are the ones who, to whom you should be Proclaiming it. Did that, did that make sense? Does that, does that follow? It seems to add up to me. Maybe you feel like you have bigger fish to fry than worrying about sounding a trumpet of warning. A watchman on the wall. You have a mission. Are you sounding the warning? Tonight, more detail about a watchman on the wall. And his or her message. Be back for that. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. What a huge challenge.